it felt really vulnerable. It felt really scary. Like, will, will someone want to work with me if I'm sharing my vulnerabilities? You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hi, and welcome back to the show. So excited to have an amazing guest on the show today who happens to be one of my dearest friends and biggest cheerleaders of all of the things. Her name is Lindsay Schwartz. Lindsay is a best-selling author, master community builder, and the founder of Powerhouse Women. She's fiercely committed to supporting other women, and she invests her time in mentoring women and girls of all ages, from high-achieving entrepreneurs to high school students. She's also a real estate and an angel investor for female-founded companies, including beverage brands like Light Pink. And after seeing numerous women in her life stop short of pursuing their own entrepreneurial dreams because of fear and self-doubt, she saw the need for more honest conversations around the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. And let me tell you, we talk about that in this episode that I'm so excited that you get to listen to. She also is the founder and runs the Powerhouse Women Community. It's an annual event and a podcast um, that really help bring their motto together, like bring to life the motto that we're not meant to do business or life alone. And I can say I am so grateful for her and all of the endless support that she's given to me as I've moved into my entrepreneurial journey. And on this episode, we talk all about what it was like for her to step into the leadership role. And she was just very open and honest about how stepping into the leadership role requires you to be a leader first and what that means and how you're going to learn so much about yourself when you start hiring a team. And I took a lot of takeaways and some, especially some nuggets about what to do when all of a sudden you realize you've made an amazing first hire and you have to level up and how do you check in with them? How do you make sure things are going well? And some of the advice she gives on this topic are things that I'm taking to heart as I am excitedly having somebody join my team on the recruiting side of our business. Um, someone I worked with for a long time, but still she's showing up in a, a much bigger role. And I know that together we're going to do great things and I'm going to take Lindsay's advice, um, on how to do that. So excited for you to get to dive in as well. Without further ado, here's Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you, and it's been such a long time coming. I'm so excited to be here. I have loved um, just our journey of friendship and building businesses together, um, and it's just been such a fun, fun ride, and I'm so, so grateful to have you in my corner as my my cheerleader and my hype woman for me as I'm going on this entrepreneurial journey. So I want to publicly say thank you. And I'm so grateful for you. Oh, well, that's why we are not meant to do it alone, because it is it's a whole like, oh, shit, not just moment, but I feel like that just becomes your life. So your show name is so appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It really is. I mean, I feel like every day I have a oh, shit, I, I have to do this kind of moment. Yep, um, basically. Business, Welcome. Sure. Welcome to the club. <laughs> well, thanks. Happy to be here. 
Um, what I'd love to do is just start with a quick intro, like give, give listeners a quick little snippet of how you ended up running powerhouse women, um, and kind of the evolution of, of where it, how it started and, and how it got to where it is today. Yeah. Well, the, quick version of it really starts when I was building my first business, which was a health and wellness business. And I ended up having a ton of conversations with people who thought they wanted to start things of their own or had these big ideas that they weren't moving forward on. And anytime I would ask like, well, Hey, what can I do to help you? Or how are you doing on that idea? It seemed like this theme came up of, well, wait a minute. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not enough. I don't think I know enough that I have the right resources, that I am qualified, whatever it was to do this thing. And every time it kind of made me step back and go, hold on. Did no one tell you that's actually how we all feel? It's kind of like (laughs) much like you were saying in the beginning, when you know other entrepreneurs, you realize that that's not, that's kind of like what it looks like when you're growing and you're creating something. But there were a lot of women in my life who didn't know that, or they thought that these other people who were creating businesses or living this dream life was very much like, you know, that time on Instagram where everyone's life just looked like mm-hmm. it was picture perfect. And realizing that we weren't sharing enough of like the real version of the story behind the scenes so that people who felt really called to start something of their own didn't stop before they ever got started because they thought that everyone else had something figured out that they didn't. Mm -hmm. So I just started talking more about that. I think like any big idea, it really just started in my own circle, in my own life. And then I had the opportunity to write a book, which was not something I thought I was qualified Mm -hmm. to do. And it became that first thing that I was like, well, if I really want to make this impact, maybe I need to lean in and do this thing that I don't feel qualified to do and really go first and show people what it looks like to share the messy parts of it along the way. And that was ultimately what ended up inspiring powerhouse women, the community, the events, the podcast was that book and me actually for the first time in my life doing something that I didn't know I was qualified to do. Didn't think I had any business doing thought it would be an epic failure. And I learned so much about myself in the process, which does I think parallel into becoming a leader who, whether you're leading a whole team or whether you're leading yourself in your company, it's such a personal growth journey. And Powerhouse Women has really been built on that foundation is yes, like we we impact women around the world who have big ideas that they want to turn into businesses. But at the end of the day, spoiler alert, everybody, this is a personal growth journey. It's Mm -hmm. just disguised as a business. So now five years later, we have this global community. We host these sold out events that are epic. I'm totally biased, but they really are are like the best events events for, for women in the, in this community. And you know, we really offer various different mentorship programs under this this motto that we aren't meant to do business or life alone. Because I believe like when you have mentorship, when you have community of others who are on the journey with you, you're so much less likely to get in your own way or at least stay in your own way and in your head. And you're able to move through whatever it is that's holding you back. Um, So it's been a wild ride, but I kind of feel like we're just getting started. Yeah, I definitely would agree. And, um, it's so wild when you, you share that whole journey. Cause it feels, 
feels like you've been doing this forever, to be honest, but it, it has only, I mean, it's been a short time, which is so crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think the listeners should know that before you started your health and wellness business that turned into kind of business mentorship, coaching support, you were a carpet saleswoman in the Phoenix area. Yeah. That is accurate. Yes. That I know many people would never have guessed that, but that was my first quote unquote real job. I was in outside sales for a commercial flooring manufacturer uh, in Phoenix. And I did, I went around and I tried to sell carpet to hospitals, schools, <laughs> office buildings. It was about as glamorous as it sounds, if I'm being honest. Totally. So I actually have some questions about that. How, how long did you do that? And did you progress at all, like get promoted or advance at all during your time doing that? So what was interesting is I, I was heavily recruited by this company out of college. I had placed top four in the nation at this collegiate sales competition. Um, I, I, I was like, was I know. Well, I'm like, that's a whole other thing. That's why my picture is on the wall at our alma mater. Because if it, those of you who don't know, Jackie and I realized years later that we went to the same college at the same time. <laughs> so I represented the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire at this national sales competition. And I, I ended up doing really well. I thought I hated sales, but I love people. And all of these job offers came out of the woodwork. Well, I am ultimately decided to go with this flooring company because I loved the people. And I, I really mm. saw that they, like, they saw a lot of potential in me. And I think it felt, honestly, it felt really good to be like heavily recruited. They flew me to New York city to job shadow someone, not down. They didn't send me down the road in Wisconsin to work <laughs> alongside like Jim Bob or whatever. I don't know that that was his real name, but it's probably what his name was. And I signed on, they moved me to Arizona. That was one of my choices. And in at, at the end of my training, which was about 10 months, all of a sudden, here we were at the start of the recession in 2008. So here I was in the commercial construction industry, paid largely on commission. And we were about to start, you know, what we didn't know would be this really, really deep recession. And commercial construction was one of the hardest hit. So the long answer to your question is I was there for about five years. And in that time, I think it was the first time that I realized, oh, this whole idea of job security that we're taught, especially in the Midwest growing up, maybe that's not always true in all mm. scenarios. And it was the first time ever that I considered, hey, maybe I should start something on the side of my own just in case I ever need it. So I was never, it wasn't really the type of industry where there were promotions. It was, it was sales commission based. Sure. And quite honestly, it was a really, really tough time, but because of the economy that we were in and yeah, I, I think what ultimately had me, you know, stay as long as I did was I really felt valued by my team, by my boss. And there were so many other intangible factors that really did motivate me even though I was kind of fighting this uphill battle when yeah. all commercial, commercial construction was basically on halt and that's what I was paid on. Yeah, totally. And I mean, how, what a blessing and a curse to experience that your first time in the workforce, right? Like I right. was also in, we graduated the same year. So I'm in the workforce the same time period as you. And I think it, it really set us up to handle, I think it did one or two ways. You either went to 
an industry that you really felt was really secure, like the government or something like that, or you were kind of like, well, I, I just think it like really opened up the the idea of entrepreneurship maybe earlier in us than some other folks. Um, well, the reason I asked you that question is because I was curious. You mentioned that a lot of times when, or a lot of the people you were coaching, you know, for the wellness business would have fear or um, imposter syndrome. And I was curious if you experienced that at all in that first job, or were you just like a sponge so excited that you just kind of felt like you could tackle anything? Gosh, it's, it's almost hard to go back to that time in my life. It, it'll be 10 years since I left um, coming up at the end of this year. And I, I think there was all, there's always been this, this drive in me where I know I can figure out anything and I know I'm great with people. So I use that to my advantage. And I mean, we're not, we don't even need to get into like the full dynamics of what it was like being a 24 year old female in a very male dominated industry. I never looked at it as a disadvantage. I really thought about, well, how can I, you know, not in a, in a way that compromise my integrity or my values, but how can I use the fact that I, you know, I am young, I have a lot to learn. And instead of going in with this attitude, like I know everything, I went in with the attitude of, if I don't know it, I'm going to learn it. And I will be the hardest working person you ever work with. So I was able to win a, a lot of big accounts just with that attitude and yeah. being really responsive, you know, in an industry where a lot of the people in Phoenix were quote, my competitors, you know, had been in the industry for a long time. And I think they took for granted the relationships that they built. So it was very interesting, but it taught me a lot of great things, both as an entrepreneur that I use, but also as, as someone now who leads teams and, and leads other people, um, just to be on that other side of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And good for you. That's amazing. So switching gears a little bit, I want to talk for the listeners and, and share with the listeners the moment when you, do you remember when you realized you needed to start, you needed to bring somebody into your business to help you? Like what was going on in the business? How did you know it was time to start bringing on teammates and people to help you grow and scale? Gosh, it's such a great question. And I think that there's never you never get like the sign that it's time. But I think when you realize you're doing too many of the things in the business that are taking your time and they, they don't necessarily need to be done by you. It was this moment where I realized, Oh, this is a thing. Like powerhouse women really is poised to be something incredible, but it, it can't become that if I'm doing all the things. And so it was about after our 2019 event where that was our third event. It was really starting to grow. There was this crazy, just sense of momentum in the community. And I knew that it was going to require just some different things of me in order to really support that and create new offerings and programs. So around the end of 2019, I started the hiring process for my very first, I, I think the job description was literally for an assistant because that was, I think as entrepreneurs, we think that's the first hire that we need to make is you just know you have too much on your plate. You're looking for someone to take it off your plate. And that process was so eye-opening. I literally didn't know what I was doing. I would Google 
what do you ask in an interview? Like what questions do you ask in an interview? So, I'm glad you even did that. Most I people mean, don't even yeah. do that. <laughs> I was like, let me at least get like some, some knowledge here. And it, it was really me deciding that this vision and the business was worth it, was worth investing in, in terms of bringing on more support. So it was pretty cool. It would definitely was, it was a moment where I had to invest in my future vision of the business, not just in the business that we had at that moment. Did you feel confident in yourself as a leader at that moment? Or were you just, were you kind of in it so deep that you were, you couldn't even really think about that? I don't even know if it consciously entered my mind when I was in the hiring process, but you'll hear a theme, just like when I was talking about being in an industry where I knew nothing about flooring or how to address flooring issues or all these things that can come up. The same thing, I think I always just have had this belief in myself that if I don't know, I'm going to figure it out. And I'm the type of person who's always willing to admit, even if it's to my own team, hey, I'm learning with you. But here's what you can expect from me. I think um, so much of my growth over the last 10 years has been investing a lot in different leadership and personal development training, where I will always be the first to admit when I don't know something or when I'm when I am feeling a little bit doubtful or, you know, having some of those feelings come up. So I think I had this sense that like, I, I don't know that this feels uncomfortable because it's new but I'm going to figure it out because I figured everything else out to this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you go through the hiring process and who do you end up hiring? Is it, is it a good hire your first time? Listen, friends, this is, I want to like add this disclaimer that these results are not typical. Okay. It's like when you see like the infomercial and you're like, results, not typical. This is not what normally happens. Mm -hmm. I, ended up hiring someone who was so overqualified to be my assistant, had so much to offer the business, then we can get into all of this, that it literally challenged me on a level that I, I didn't know I would need to be ready for. And I think people see the relationship that Hannah and I have today, and we've grown a lot and we've, you know, we've put her in the right position, which was not an assistant position. She's actually our COO mm -hmm. now. And it took a lot of work to get to that point. A lot of it because I wasn't quite ready for even everything that she brought to the table. It took me a little while to be like, whoa, okay, this is such an incredibly valuable partner and, and person who brings so much to the table. I've got to completely go back to the drawing board and look at how we had structured this role. And um, that wasn't an easy process for either one of us. It required a lot of honesty. But when people see what powerhouse women is today, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, I was willing to be humble enough to say like, oh, I, I can't do this by myself. And I've got someone who literally can carry this torch with me. Let me see, what does it look like to make room for another leader who's essentially my peer? You know, she's such an equal on so many levels. And, you know, that took the kind of personal work and self-reflection and self-awareness that I think most people wouldn't be willing to do. 
Because mm-hmm. it's very easy to feel threatened when someone comes on board and they bring so much to the table, it makes you level up. And so many, so often I've shared this with you before, you know, people will say, oh, I just want, I want a Hannah. I want, that's, mm-hmm. that's my, you know, my business partner's name. And it's like, okay, you can have that. But let's be honest about it actually requires so much more of you as the leader than I think most people realize. Mm -hmm. So it was a very interesting process because I thought that first role was hiring for an assistant and I got something so much more. But two years in, we've had there's just been so many conversations that went into designing the role that was right for the growth that she wanted, the opportunities she wanted, and, and ultimately like what I, how I want to feel in the business. So it's multi-layered, but it can happen. I guess results, not typical, but if you're willing to really self-reflect and, and do that work, along the way, you could end up finding someone who grows with your company really quickly into a role that you hadn't even imagined. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so many ways I want to take this conversation right now. I'm going to start with you and the way that you showed up in that relationship. And and as you're growing and developing together as a team, you say there was a lot of, a lot of leadership and personal development work that you had to do to get comfortable with it. Can you give a little bit, are there specifics that you, you could share with the listeners so that, you know, even just like, sometimes I feel like body sensations, like certain like feelings show up as like signs that it's time to like level up or, or, or do some work. Do you remember any of those that, that happened to you Mm. during that time? Well, yeah, that's such a great question because it is typically something that we feel before we logically know it. Yes. And I love personal growth like so much. I'm probably like the biggest nerd in that sense. And so I really start to pay attention to where I start to feel really uncomfortable where resistance starts starts to show up. So this isn't specific to my hiring situation so much as more my growth as a leader. And it's like, I think it can show up in a couple of different ways. When you feel kind of like stuck or like you're in this energy of you're like, you're not really moving forward. Sometimes you'll even notice you start to complain about things. You almost start to nitpick the things around you because mm. what you're really not being honest about is you're ready to level up and you're not going there. So you start to like find faults in others or find faults in yourself, even in your partner. Like whenever Mm -hmm. I start to get a little nitpicky of my husband, I'm like, Ooh, where do I feel like I'm not enough? And that's just like the honest truth of like what people maybe aren't, aren't so much present to. I think it can feel like energy of feeling stuck or like something isn't working. Something is off. And I'm a doer. My natural tendency is like, well, let me just jump in and see what I can do. The thing that takes me even more thought and intention is to pause and be like, let me check in and let me just like dig into what is this that I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it can feel like tension. Like if I start to notice I have weird like neck tension or things like that, I'll just check in and I'll be like, where am I maybe not addressing something else? And it's starting to show up as like actual tension in my physical body. Um, that's usually where it starts and, and starting to then say, well, what, what conversation am I not having? What, what am I putting off, you know, and yeah. who do I need to have a conversation with? 
usually when I start to ask those questions, like what's the action I'm avoiding or what conversation am I putting off? Usually, you know, usually there's mm-hmm. something that's like totally. ding, ding, ding. I love that advice. And I think so often people jump into entrepreneurship or even any leadership role and you feel like you have to turn off your feelings when you're like working, you know, this whole concept of like, don't, don't bring up personal life into work or don't, you know, there's just this like compartmentalization. I don't even know if that's how you say that word, but I'm going to use it of like different aspects of your life. And I think especially when you become an entrepreneur, you realize like there's so much um, work you have to go through and, and really feel and, and all of that to, to scale to the next level. It's not, it's not always like doing more sales calls. A lot of times it's like working through my own shit to get out of my way, to help support my team and my business. And so I'm so glad that you, you shared some of those and we're vulnerable to share those. So thank you. Yeah. And it's so true. It's, you know, if it were as easy as you just look at one website that tells you exactly how to build a business and you just go and do that. There's no personal work, no no personal stuff involved. And we would just all be millionaires. It's like the one difference is the person who really is leading the vision and, and whether or not that person is also leading themselves, because when you become the boss, when you, even if you're not leading other people, but like, really you're leading this vision that you want to grow to the point where you are going to have a team, you no longer get to operate like a normal everyday human being. Like it doesn't work if I am complaining and gossiping and I'm doing these things that like ultimately aren't consistent with the kind of leader I want to be. I think that's such a good point to like those of you that have a vision for leading other people in the future is, are you leading yourself now Mm -hmm. in the way that you want to lead others in the future and like the culture that you want in your team? And it's tough. Like, does this mean that I never catch myself like just losing my shit if something doesn't go my way or, you know, complaining if I'm like tired or hangry. No, but like when I catch it, then I'm like, "Mm, is this, this really isn't consistent with who I want to be. And I have a choice. Am I going to keep going with that energy or am I going to pause and say like, okay, what do I really need right now? Do I just need to chill? Do I need to drop it? Do I need to have a conversation Mm -hmm. with someone and just feel heard? But I like it, my vision depends on me being committed to operating with a higher level of integrity than I would maybe have for myself if I were still selling carpet, right? It just is a totally different world. Oh my gosh. I just want to do like the preach because I, that's the first thing. So I worked at Lululemon for quite a few years and they have this wonderful thing. I don't even know if it still is in existence today, but it was back then. And it's the practice of leadership. And there's three different levels. There's leading yourself, there's leading others, and then there's leading organization. And you have to master leading yourself first in any level of job before you can start leading others. And you have to be able to master both of those before you can actually lead an organization and drive to results. And it's just such a great reminder that if you want to start being a leader of a team, you got to take radical responsibility of leading yourself. So that is just the best advice for anybody listening to this. Preach. So I want to shift gears. I want to shift gears really quickly because one thing I find that's been really cool watching you and Hannah kind of, you know, develop in your relationship is she's been willing to, to have 
conversations that I think a lot of employees are not willing to do, right? She's been able to to share a bit about what she wants and and how she wants the role to morph and like ask and have the conversation with you. And so I'm curious, you know, when she started to be honest and open about what she wanted in the role and what she wanted to do in her job, like how did that feel as a leader or did that just feel really natural because that's how you are as a person? Because I think for a lot of leaders that you know, brings up a lot of like a lot of stuff, which you kind of alluded to. Right. Um, but I guess not everybody has a Hannah who's willing to, to, to talk and be open and vulnerable as well. So I'm just want to chat a little bit about that. Cause I find that to be a really great thing in your relationship. Yeah. And that didn't come easy. Just like ev- everything I was saying earlier, meaning we both had a lot of growth to do. And I- I'm just going to speak specifically about my part because I think there are some things that other leaders can really hear in some of the mistakes that I made. Number mm-hmm. one being, yeah. um, I think because I observed right away that our, we had like this natural chemistry that felt so easy and, I was still kind of growing into my role as I realized just what a gift I had in her that what I didn't do in the beginning was I didn't set aside regular times to check in and make sure that she was getting the kind of opportunities that she wanted. I assumed that if there were any issues or if anything needed to come up that we would just talk about it. But that wasn't necessarily the case in the beginning. So anyone out there, even if you're leading, you know, a team or you have a partner who, you know, you're like, oh, this is great. It's like, just feels so easy. It is our job, even though I really see her as so much of my equal, it is my job to make sure that there are times set aside just for us to check in. And it's, it sounds so silly, but like, as we designed our partnership, we literally talk about it like a marriage. It's the same thing with your, you know, your significant other or, you know, your partner in life. Do you want things to evolve to a point where you're like screaming and shouting or do you want to address things when they're like the little, I feel like, um, there's, there's a better analogy for that. Right. But it's like, do you want to address it when it's just like a little issue that just takes one conversation or when it's something more layered? So in the very beginning that, that was tough is realizing that that was on me. I wasn't creating those opportunities for us to have those conversations. So that was the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, um, you know, I, I think one of my strengths is I always look at something through, at, how do I want to describe this? So whenever I'm being maybe like triggered by something, or maybe like you hear some feedback that's really hard to, to take in, First, I have to look at, okay, why is this triggering? And I'm not going to use any specific examples. I'm just talking more in general because this is like, the I think the best, mm-hmm. most relatable thing for everybody is if something is maybe triggering me as a leader, a conversation with my team member, or maybe even like you're not getting performance out of someone, this hasn't happened with Hannah, but with previous employees where I was like, what's wrong with me? And immediately I have to look at why is this kind of a tough, emo- bringing up a tough emotion in me. And it's usually, it's usually hitting on something that's a really deep fear, 
right? Like I have a fear that I'm not a good leader. I have a fear that I'm not enough. And there were some, there, you know, one of the reasons that Hannah and I have the partnership we have is we've been willing to have those conversations. But as a leader, it can be really easy to not want to show your team your vulnerabilities. And it's not always going to be appropriate, but this is someone who I really wanted to create like a business partnership, a marriage with. So I had to say, Hey, I really struggle with X with feeling like when I'm doing this, it can maybe like make other people feel this way. Is that the truth for you? Does it ever make you feel that way? And it felt really vulnerable. It felt really scary. Like, will will someone want to work with me if I'm sharing my vulnerabilities? And I don't know if you have any guidance on that, because I think it can be mm-hmm. such a, you know, there there's things that are appropriate to share with team. And then there's things that probably aren't. But as a leader, I think like the people I look up to are the ones who are honest about their own shortcomings, but they're also really clear about who they're committed to being in the midst of those. So I didn't come to her and say, oh, you make me feel like this. I say, hey, I have some really real emotions coming up and here's where I think it comes from. And a little bit of my background, here's like something I'm, I'm working through. I want you to know I'm committed. Here's how I'm committed to showing up in the midst of this and just know like I'm really working through some tough things right now and here's the way you can support me or here's maybe what I would love to know mm-hmm. from you. So it's not just mm-hmm. putting our our own emotions on the other person, but I think this is another example of how are you leading yourself even when you're working through like the tougher emotions and I think we both yeah. we both do that really well which obviously makes like a really strong relationship. Yeah. That's amazing. And I guess, you know, to answer how, if I have advice on, you know, vulnerability and stuff in the workplace, I think what you just described is how you should be. I don't necessarily think you need to cry every, like on the phone with your team, but I do think like being very honest about how you're feeling, committing to how you want to show up, and then regularly asking your team for feedback and criticism. Like ask your team to criticize you or hold you accountable to things that you've said that you want to work on because it helps them develop the feedback muscle, which just helps the business, right? And nobody wants to work for a leader that is unwilling to admit they have faults. Like nobody has it figured out. And so I think personally, the the leaders that I know who've been the most successful and that I've loved working for and with are those that are vulnerable. Um, and there's a balance. And I think the balance of how vulnerable you, you are really depends on your company culture and the level of trust and respect you have in that relationship, because how vulnerable you are for one person, it might not be for the other, right? A, you may be vulnerable with your senior leaders who are your direct report reports, but you're probably not going to run and tell your social media person the exact same thing you just told right. your VP of sales, right? <laughs> so it, it just depends, I guess. But what yeah. you just described, I think, is what any leader should be willing to start to do more of. So thank you so much for bringing that up because it's a big topic I talk about. Um, I think everyone's so afraid of being honest and what can happen from it. And I there's very few... I can't even think of any time that (laughs) there's been a bad outcome because somebody was too vulnerable. I would say it's actually more the the reverse. Mm, That's so good. I love that. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, I feel like I'm definitely going to have you on the show again because there's more stuff I want to dig into, but I think, 
you know, what you've left listeners with in terms of like personal responsibility for developing yourself as a individual leader is huge. And so I want to leave this episode as that because I think it is so critical and so important that people get that. And so thank you for being a leader who takes that to heart and is willing to talk about it um, because I do, I I know it's going to help so many people. You're so welcome. And it, it really is. It's one of the hardest, I think it is one of the hardest things to do and it pays off more than you can imagine. Because I think when we as leaders can be honest about the fact that we don't have it all figured out, it takes the pressure off of us. And it also gives our teams and the people around us the ability to try new things and maybe not be the best at them too. I think it makes her a better and a stronger company. But as someone who very much has fought perfectionist tendencies, it's taken a lot of personal work to allow that part of myself to show. And I honestly love myself more. I love myself in the relationships that I've cultivated in the business even more as I have, but it definitely took some time. So have a little patience with yourself and with your team. And I know you can do it. And I'm grateful for resources like what you're creating to give a voice to these different styles of leadership because it makes us all better. So thanks, Jackie. Of course. Well, we have one question that we ask everybody. And I would love to know what was an oh shit moment in your business when you realized that you were in charge um, you were the, ele- you were the elephant, you were the adult in the room. <laughs> like, do you have any of those that come to mind as like, um, moments that stand out that you'll remember forever? <laughs> well, for anyone who knows Hannah, she's way more of an adult than me. Even she is just really <laughs> that incredible. And, you know, there wasn't really a moment, so to speak, but it was so exciting. I'll never forget. Like the first time we really got to sit down and talk about the vision of the company together. And this wasn't, this was like an oh shit in a positive way, realizing how much better it makes the company to have someone who cares about the vision just as much as I do and brings their unique perspective and ideas. It was this, I've never been more excited about the future of powerhouse women than when I found someone like that. And it was, it really showed me that the whole motto of powerhouse women is we're not meant to do this alone. And it was like the first time where I finally didn't feel like I was doing it alone. And that was a really cool moment. And one that continues to just, it's like the gift that keeps on giving. Amazing. So where can listeners follow you, learn more about what you're up to learn about powerhouse women? Yeah. The easiest place is on Instagram. Everything from our community is, is really under powerhouse women. So it makes it really easy to find powerhouse underscore women on Instagram, powerhousewomen.co online. And then our podcast is called powerhouse yes. women for all the fellow entrepreneurs. We share a ton of great value there. And then my personal page is just Lindsay Schwartz with an extra L at the beginning. So I'm sure everything will be linked so that I'm easy to find, yep. but yeah, would love would love to connect and um, just really, Jackie, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and thanks everyone for tuning in. And I really want to hear about the leadership work that you're committed you're committed to doing after listening to this this episode. So please, please um, send us a note, leave us a review, let us know what you're committed to. So thank you, Lindsay, so much for being on the show, and we'll see you all again in a couple days. 
speaking of the power of people, I'd be honored to read your written review of this show. If you enjoyed what you heard and have suggestions on how to make this show more impactful, please show your support by taking a few minutes to let me know what you think. See you next time.